Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, July 9th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Shorter show, important things that I wanted to include, some follow-ups on some things we pointed out yesterday. But most importantly today, the focus is going to be on some information continuing to show that their studies are finding that they're continuing to ignore that natural immunity is lasting, durable, robust for all the variants of concern. I've been continuing to show this to you using the science they continue to claim they're trusting yet seem to be ignoring. We're also going to talk about the pandemic of the injected continuing to show itself even in corporate media. As we pointed out the Telegraph yesterday, we're now going to talk about Alberta. Same thing. They're baffled, confused about the unknown causes of all these deaths. The number one cause of death right now in Alberta is ill-defined and unknown causes. What could that be? Now, certainly we can't say we know for sure, but why isn't anybody asking the obvious question? And that's something we continue to point out. Then we're also going to talk about some interesting information around Dr. Fauci or Mr. Fauci's experience and some censorship of some very important things that are showing you. This is a, a corporate media clip, in fact, showing you a reporting that continuing to give these injections the way they are will hurt your immune system. And yet that video just got censored. Not surprising. And we'll finish talking about some really alarming in, uh, reports showing two month, two month to six month old babies having cardiac arrest. Now you should be asking yourself, why are two month old babies even able to get this injection? That's a good question. But there are reports coming from doctors showing you that they're having these experiences after the injection that they're not supposed to be getting. Then of course, we're going to talk about some information at the end in regard to the, the hyping of new fear coming your way. But the final discussion is going to be a really important follow-up that I'm actually really surprised that I missed in regard to a, an article we posted from three, the, the Free Thought Project a while back. This would have been, I believe, back in 2017, reposted again in 2018. But the discussion of the title being Parents Catch FBI in Plot to Force Mentally Ill Son to Be a Right-Wing Terrorist. Turns out that this story went further. And that this kid ended up still being put in prison, despite the story that you might have heard. Now, if you haven't heard it, wait till the end, because this is a really incredible story. When this person is is an extreme, severely troubled schizophrenic who lives with his family, who has been deemed incapable of making his own decisions by the court, lives with his family to make all his decisions, and yet he's somehow capable of putting together a master plan, even if they helped him. All. It's incredible. The FBI is known for setting up plots they then can't stop themselves this is a bad one because this person is apparently still in prison. I didn't know this, and it makes me really upset. Now, we're going to start today, as I said, with the discussion of the natural immunity point. But I want to make something clear before I start again because I'm already going at this some, with somebody in a, in a chat that's just making I'm, – I'm, I'm becoming increasingly impatient with the people out there that are in just absolutely incapable of having a conversation outside the idea that this is not there you know, germ theory versus terrain theory, but not the point that they're asking these questions. I've continued to tell you my, and not, my, not just my opinion based on the facts. They've never shown that this thing's been isolated, which means we don't know if it's there. Doesn't mean we don't, we know it's not there. 
We just don't know if it's there, which means we don't know if it's not there. The point is the evidence has not been shown that it's been isolated. And I've told you that from the very beginning. But the frustrating part is not that they're asking this question, not that they're saying, how do we know there's natural immunity if we haven't seen that it's there? That's a valid question, but not to shout down anybody anywhere else in any conversation who's trying to objectively discuss the things coming out or trying to reach new people that are not aware of the breadth of the conversation. It's very, it's, it's almost beginning to feel like an agenda. I was just watching people talk about this in Corbett's community, uh, whether in Discord, I think on their chat, I don't think he has a Discord, but basically pointing out that a lot of the community in there is like attacking other people in James Corbett's very objective, open-minded community because they refuse to just only talk about something as if it's completely not there, which is a valid possibility. In fact, calling other people in his community sheep. The very people in Corbett's community, calling them sheep because they won't acknowledge one opinion or rather alter their entire stance to be that one person's opinion. We just need to be careful about this, guys. I mean, we need to, again, be clear that I've talked about Coach Postulates. I've just, I've had Kaufman and multiple people on multiple times to discuss terrain versus germ theory. Now, I have my opinions and I've made them clear, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to fail to acknowledge or discuss the other side of that coin. How dumb would it be? I mean, it would be just as stupid in reverse to say that we only believe in terrain theory. Therefore, we won't even acknowledge, well, that's what's happening. Only germ won't acknowledge terrain. When I was first discussing this conversation, I had Kaufman on and other people on so I could hear their perspective so I could try to understand what terrain theory was. If I hadn't have done that, which is what you're sort of asking me to do in reverse right now, I would have never been open to that idea. I would have just stood strong and I think this is what the thing is because of the evidence and I'm not going to look at that. Well, now, since I've opened my mind to that, I understand that there's a lot of valid points to be made there. Now, even in our interviews with Kaufman, it came to the conclusion that there is some things that are left up in the air. Now, why, if that's the way it is, would we just absolutely double, triple down on one idea when there is evidence to the contrary? In some cases. Now, to bring all that back in for people that don't understand that back and forth, my simple point is this, that they have not proven it's been isolated. They have not met Koch's postulates. Even the CDC in China admitted when this first went out, they hadn't isolated it. It was a genetic code that went out. Now, had they isolated after that? I believe no. But that does not mean they didn't hide that data because it showed you something like, I don't know, that it was made in a lab. We have to consider all possibilities. So the people out there that are trying to shout you down for actually asking questions, or in this case today, looking at a study that talks about natural immunity, as if we should ignore that entirely because that doesn't align with this one concept, even if that concept is right. Because you see, you guys all know my point is to argue from within their narrative, to not point out that the science they're claiming they're trusting, yet they're not looking at, says the exact opposite of what they're spouting on CNN why would you not point that out? It doesn't mean you're diving in entirely to the idea that natural immunity is there and this things exist. That's just kind of a childish argument. It's because people want to believe they know the answer and anything else is wrong. That we should be concerned about. Again, not to say that they're even wrong, but we just have to understand that if we fall in the trap of only one thing counts, that's exactly what the mainstream media wants from you. That becomes left versus right. That becomes division. I hope that's clear. I just had to say that because I, this is becoming intense to me right now. People coming at from all different angles, shouting, and not just in my community. I think we've seen it everywhere. Now, to get into the show, I want to start off with a couple of quick points that I think are very important. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't notice this was slightly out of focus. There we go. Let's start off with a point that I, I saw yesterday. In uh, it, I, We were in the middle of the show, and I saw this as like a breaking headline on one of these platforms. And I just want to reiterate so we see this. Because I find this to be very interesting. After all this time, now, by the way, this doesn't necessarily mean that they might not just go back the other way for some reason. All this stuff seems to go that way. But as of yesterday, 
Elon Musk is notifying Twitter that he's terminating the deal. So the deal didn't ever happen. Now they were in the process of figuring it out because of whatever happened. They terminated that deal. Now just think about all the ridiculous partisan things that have happened so far. People claiming the world had changed because Elon took over, acting like free speech exists again, that everybody went back. And here we are. Can we not see the ridiculousness of the two-party paradigm? Guys, it becomes infuriating. It was probably an entire conversation that was never even real, just designed to get everyone to do exactly what they did. Just a thought. But in the day, here we are. Things have changed. In fact, I'm noticing weird things about Twitter, but it seems to not because of Musk and not good or bad, just different. We'll see what happens. If we ever thought it was going to become some bastion of free speech, then we are lost in the two-party paradigm, in my opinion. Now, on some other points that referenced yesterday, I just adding to the things we talked about, all the people that were leaving administrations and P, uh, the former uh, prime minister of Japan being shot, all these different things happening in a very short time frame. The uh, OPEC security uh, secretary general just died of cause unknown, which perfectly aligns with the next segment we're going to get into, or the segment after next, about the unexplainable deaths everywhere, which doesn't really make sense. Except when you add in the idea that there's something they've been giving people that causes all sorts of things that look unexplainable, like heart attacks and blood clots and things that you can't tie back to anything else except the unknown injection, experimental gene therapy. It's infuriating that we continue to see the obvious ignored. Could be other things, always could. But when you see them tiptoe around the big elephant in the room, it's pretty obvious that they're choosing not to acknowledge the possibility. That's the only thing we're really pointing out because that shows you they're being dishonest. That leads to the bigger conversation. I like to try to make this show a bridge between the people still lost and the deeper information because you know, and if you've seen me talk about other shows and sometimes this show, some much deeper discussions behind all of what we're talking about. Now, Sri Lanka's prime minister has offered this resignation after the protest, which is interesting because that's not what you might have expected when they storm buildings and, and ultimately ultimately burn the building, you know, light fires and exactly what they would have tried to have framed January 6th and other protests as. Violent terrorism, except this turned out to be what they wanted. They don't believe he's doing the right thing because he's not. Most of these governments are essentially hurting their people for the larger agenda, if that's even what's actually happening. But so I'll read what it says here. Sri Lanka's prime minister announced he is willing to step down in the, uh, from the office. The announcement comes hours after tens of thousands of protesters stormed the official residence and set it on fire, forcing him to move to safety. Demonstrations across the country led to imposed curfews. Economic crisis continues. So it's interesting. You know, in the U.S., this would have been terrorism, insurrection, the government locks down. You're the enemy because that's how they view you right now. You are the enemy. Two-party paradigm makes it seem like only one side thinks that, but they all think that. The reality has been shown very clearly from, it, from election to election to administration to administration, the same continuity of the same plans with different wedge issues distracting everybody. What's interesting is he steps down. So they got what they wanted. Now, was that justified? I argue that what they did now, just because people set fires, you may not agree with the violent activity, but you, as I've said before, because I don't, as I've said before, though, do we not understand why they're there? Do we not understand why somebody might be driven to take such such extreme action when their families are starving, when their jobs are being destroyed and the government's going, it's all good. It's for, it's for something happening on the other side of the world or because we want to reduce carbon emissions. I mean, it's, it's crazy. People will get driven to desperation and they'll take desperate action. Just because I don't agree with the act of violence doesn't mean I don't completely understand what drove them there. And then he actually steps down, which seems to vindicate that action. 
You're not going to see that happening in this country, I promise. But it's an interesting example, isn't it? You rise up in enough numbers. Now, just remove the, the, the fire from this. If you rise up in enough numbers, if the entire country stood up at once and said, we don't agree with you, what would happen? I think I know what would probably happen at first. Can't say I know for sure how, where it would go, but we know that that would stop the, the illusion that they represent what we want. It's interesting. The point is, stand together. Two-party illusion. Push back against the government, not one side or the other. Now, on an idea of misinformation, disinformation, and fake news, remember we were just talking about this the other day when I, or just yesterday, excuse me, this video we played. Now, I might as well just play it again really quickly for you to see, because the point is that that video was them talking and laughing about the disinformation and conspiracy theorists. And I wanted to make this quick point in the beginning about how interesting it is that the claim he made was, in fact, something that was not even real. It was a joke. It was put out as satire and then even explains in the article that it was satire. But apparently they're happy to still use that as an example of fake news, even though they're the ones, in fact, spreading fake news. With the vaccine, that we knew that there is a very fanatic group of anti-vaxxers that will go after us no matter what. They will claim that the sun didn't go up because people were vaccinated. And that created issues with the crop. So I'm suing you. Right, right. Or, or, you know, just because people are families, members dying in front of them, having heart attacks, which they've admitted it can happen. You know, that stuff too, though. <laughs> or, or just make it fanatical and mystical about not letting the sun rise. Because that makes it seem crazy, right? Who cares about all the death and, dra and trauma and long-lasting effects? And one thing it is to sue you in the U.S. Another thing is to sue you in a country where the legal system is not up that standard, sorry. So what I made the point last time on this is that ultimately that seems to make it, like they're setting up the idea that anywhere outside the Western countries that we know we control or we know we have influence enough or the know what agrees with our agenda, who tries to sue us? Well, it's because they don't have a legal system that's proper. And that's why they want, that's why they, you know, the court in Uruguay found that they, you know, are demanding what the ingredients are because they're concerned about the safety. It's only because they're a, a third world country and they don't have any kind of legal system. Like, isn't that in and of itself the opposite of what they're claiming they're trying to do? Like they're pointing at them like they're not they're good enough yet acting like we're the ones undermining their the, the sustainability equitable of equitability of the of the world like it's just it's 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 ridiculous to you could almost say bigoted to say something like that but I'll let you think about it. So I think that's behind us. Uh, everything went okay, and now I think we can move on. I think we were we were both uh, targets of the anti-vaccine uh, movements and uh, conspiracy uh, people uh, claiming that I had triple. I wonder what it is. Tri triple um, uh, COVID. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, good enough. I don't want to hear them mumble about this again. The point here to bring this back is that that was a tweet. That was meant to be satire because of the ridiculous claims. And here, and I showed you this the other day, by the way, that this was the only thing talking about triple COVID was this triple mutant ridiculous conversation that was put out by the mainstream corpse corporate media. Excuse me. Now, here is the tweet they're referencing. Oops, where was that? Oh, I went back one. There it is. Kyle Becker. Breaking. Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum, now has the dreaded triple COVID. And he follows up right. It says, like I said, this is earlier. This is satire. Guys, there's no such thing as triple COVID. That's a joke about this propaganda push. Okay. So here is the 
fact check you can expect to come along with such obvious, ridiculous stuff. So the fact that underneath the second tweet says this is not real is not enough. They go, people are too dumb to know that the fact that it says it's not real would mean it's not real. So let's do a fact check and ensure that they know that it's not real. Okay, fact check. No evidence. Klaus Schwab has triple COVID. That this is a real deal Reuters fact check. Social media users are, are falsely claiming that the WEF founder has triple COVID and examples can be seen here. And they literally post Becker's tweet. Now, despite that, or addition, they, they say right here, guys, there is no such thing as triple COVID. It was a joke about propaganda push. They include the fact that he said that. And yet say up here that they're falsely claiming that it happened. If you're making a joke, it's not falsely claiming anything. But you see, they just so desperate to frame it as this being what is this. This is everybody. People out there making baseless claims they can't prove sitting in their basements and acting. They know everything and pretending everything's happening when they have nothing to back it up. Except that's not what's happening. There's people like us in the independent media that are choosing to remain objective and using peer reviewed science and discussion, not even acting like peer reviewed science is the proof of anything. It's simply data points, but acknowledging that it shows you the opposite of what they're saying, that things aren't safe, that things are happening, that there are covers up, that there are dangers to wearing masks. Every, I could go off on a, an endless amount of topics, but this is what they choose to fact check. How many times I've shown you this? A single post somewhere, not the data around it, not the real discussion. Oh, and by the way, their verdict? False. Of course it's false. You already told us he said it wasn't even a real tweet. But the point is, the real the evidence shows that he didn't have this or that or that. So that despite the fact that he states it wasn't real, they go on to fact check the fake statement. Here's how we know he didn't have this. And here, this is how they waste their time because this is how they give you the illusion of engagement and accountability. But see, they don't even know what he really means here. They go on to say, well, after receiving the third dose of the vaccine, there's no evidence that he tested positive for the virus three times or tested positive for the triple mutant. Oh, you mean the thing that CBS was actually talking about? Yeah, because that's what they mean right there. A thing that's not even real. How pathetic. Now, on one last point on fake news, I want to just follow up, make sure we understand that this is the narrative in Ukraine has clearly been shifting. Like it's really this is what this is almost worse than COVID, how bad Ukraine went for them. And I'm talking about the propaganda, not the country, not the people, the propaganda narrative pushed by the Ukrainian government and the U.S. backing them and everybody else involved. Because even now, the U.N. is going back and saying, guess what, guys, you lied. The U.N. says Ukraine bears a share of the blame, which is not admitting the entire truth, in my opinion, but at least acknowledging that it's not Russia did everything and they're bad and evil people for a nursing home attack. Remember that one? One of the many that hadn't fully been absolutely debunked. Well, here we go. All of every single thing they're pointing out, Bucha, Kramstock, all the the uh, the nurse uh, the uh, the elementary school in the very beginning, from start to finish, the ghost of Kiev, the raping of children by Russian troops, every single one of these things they still push have shown to be false, not hypothetically, admitted, cut from whole cloth. In fact, the government of Ukraine admitted Ghost of Kiev was utterly fabricated. That the woman from the uh, the official made up the children being raped. And then she went on podcasts and said, yeah, I made it up. Here's another one. Two weeks after Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine in February, they say Kremlin-backed rebels assaulted a nursing home in eastern in, in, in the Donbass region. Dozens of elderly disabled patients, many of them bedridden, were trapped inside without water or electricity. Now, the point is they were... They were forced to be trapped there by the Ukraine government, and they admit this. The March 11th assault set off a fire that spread throughout the facility, suffocating people who couldn't move. And a small number of patients and staff escaped and fled to the nearby forest, finally getting assistance. 
In a war awash with atrocities, the attack on nursing home, a nursing home near the village of Stara Krasnankia, stood out for its cruelty. Ukrainian authorities placed the fault squarely on Russian forces, of course, accusing them of killing more than 50 vulnerable civilians in a brutal and unprovoked attack. That's the narrative they spun, and guess what, guys? Everybody in the corporate media went with it. Biden tweeted, how dare they do this and there should be investigations because they blindly trust what the Ukraine Nazis tell them, right? But a new UN report found that Ukraine's armed forces bear a large and perhaps equal, point being entire, blame for what happened there. You know why? Because they chose to to take that area and make it a position, which means they trapped those people there, which, by the way, they said when they finally got away and admitted that to other media. But that's the part they don't tell you. We already showed you this back when we covered this story. But here's the point. Now we have the UN report on top of their admissions when they left telling you that Ukrainian soldiers took up positions inside the nursing home, effectively making it a target. In a war, that's what that is. And this is what Vanessa Bealy, Eva Bartlett, myself, and plenty of others have reported from Syria to now, that this is what they do. They choose schools and hospitals as their control structure, so then when they bomb them, they can say they bombed a school. And they don't just take the building, they trap people there so they can have casualties. Now, this is what's been shown to happen over and over and over. Now they're getting caught for it. At least 22 of the 71 patients survived the assault, but the exact number of people killed remains unknown, according to the UN. Report by the UN Office of High Commissioner for Human Rights doesn't conclude the Ukrainian soldiers or Russia committed a war crime. Excuse me? You see, this is the kind of garbage that we see with the paper tiger that is the toothless tiger that is the UN. How is it not a war crime to take a civilian building with civilians inside as a position? knowing that that makes it a illegal position to bomb. That is illegal. Bombing a position that troops are taking is not a war crime. One of them is. But apparently, because only Russia can be called a war criminal, we just ignore it and go, neither of them did anything. Yes, they did, guys. That's undeniable. That's crazy. I mean, it's almost criminal activity to not call that a war crime. But look at how crazy that is. That's disinformation. But the point is, going all the way back, they're getting caught for lying for the millionth time in this entire... It's, it's embarrassing. We're going to keep covering Ukraine. There's plenty more to get into, but it's obviously shifting. Now, bringing this into the idea of natural immunity, an important conversation to be had. This is a new study. This one's important because it is preprint, but we're going to follow up with the one we've shown you many, many times. This is from MedRxiv. Duration of immune protection of SARS-CoV-2 natural infection against reinfection. Because right now they're all screaming about reinfection, no matter whether you've had the thing we moments ago said was fake, natural immunity, or natural infection, which makes drives natural immunity in any normal case, or the injection. They go, oh, everyone's getting reinfected no matter what. Well, guess what? That's never been true. Now, even if you believe that this isn't lasting forever, which most of natural immunity seems to be historically, like chicken pox scenario, whether you believe it or not, the point here, what they're, what they're undeniably finding in both of these studies, the next one's peer-reviewed, is that however long it is, it's longer than immediate waning. It's longer than three months down to less than 55% relative risk reduction. And then after three months, or excuse me, after one month, under 55. After three months, negative efficacy of 75. We've shown you this many times, and I can pull this. Uh, for some reason, his tweet is the easiest one to grab for me. It always pops up. That's why I first saw it, by the way, from Levant here. And, th and this is the image and the link to the art, link to the actual study. 
that shows you that, right? That's very clearly shows you. Where's the picture? Oh, just do that. Very clearly shows you that the efficacy after three months goes to negative 76 with Pfizer and Omicron. One day to 30 days, it goes to 55% relative risk. It's meaningless. That is not what they're arguing it is. It's They're lying to you. But the point is that that being the case, knowing that at the very least within not three months that it it's negative, this is proving to you, both this and the next one, that what they're finding with their studies and natural immunity from natural infection is longer than that. Now, that's not to argue that I'm buying at face value that's happening. What I'm showing you is that these studies are finding that the thing they're calling natural immunity in this case, or rather the natural immunity to the thing they're pointing at in this case, is longer lasting, durable, and robust than what they're pushing on children that don't need it. Now, whether or not you agree that this exists, whether or not you agree with natural immunity, how do you not think that's a relevant point? That what they're pointing at is the, the waning within one day and adding on all the other risks they tell you were there, myocarditis and blood clots. and When people have already been shown to have had this thing, they say, Again, their narrative is that 75 plus percent of the country has already dealt with this. So why are they forcing it when they have this science in front of them? That's not trusting the science. That's ignoring it. Whether or not you agree with the science, what it finds. You see my point? Hopefully, because it's pretty objective and makes sense. But here's the important point of what it says. July 7th. Effectiveness of primary infection against severe, critical, or fatal COVID reinfection was 97.3%. Irrespective of the variant of primary of the variant of primary infection or reinfection and with no evidence for waning. Now this is only talking about severe infection, which I'm not even sure what the difference between normal infection and severe infection is, but the bottom line is irrespective of variant and no waning. Similar results were found in subgroups with people that were over 50. The people they're supposed to be at the most risk. Isn't that interesting? Conclusions. Protection of natural infection against reinfection wanes and may diminish within a few years. That's normal infection. But the point is right there still. Within a few years. So why would you choose to take an injection that wanes after one day to 30 days down to less than 55% relative risk reduction and then goes to negative efficacy within the next third month versus something that you can that is less than the flu for the vast majority of people, according to their narrative, and then gives you up to three years of protection. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But then it goes on to say, viral immune evasion accelerates this waning. Now, the only thing I see giving viral immune evasion is the injection. But it goes on to say, protection against severe reinfection remains very strong with no evidence of waning, irrespective of variant, for over 14 months after primary infection. That's pretty damn sound, wouldn't you say? But it is a preprint, which is why we're including the next one. I, I, this is the tweet that I put out pointing out this new study and including the, li the link to this one as well. And here's that study I've shown you many, many times. Ultra potent antibodies against diverse and highly transmissible SARS-CoV-2 variants. August 13th, 2021. Now this is discussing in general that people, convalescent subjects, that people that were sick with previously infected with the original strain. Now this one's talking about any, by the way, any infection, this one here. You get sick right now, in general, without having an injection in your body, you end up having lasting immunity. That's what the study finds. This is talking about people who were sick originally, who got infected, have never had an injection with the ancestral, ancestral strain, and it says that it produces antibodies that cross-neutralize emerging variants of concern with high potency, which, which the, the science would suggest that applies to whatever variants come next. 
because it had sensory ancestral to beta, alpha, and every, all the rest of them that came next. Now, this is continuing that point and saying the same thing. It's pretty obvious, wouldn't you say? This is clear that their data, their findings are showing the opposite of what they're yelling at you while forcing the injections on people that don't need it for every possible reason. And many of them who have already dealt with what they're telling you is out there. How does that make sense? Especially when you find out that the, the scientific studies have shown that people that are already uh, already uh, gotten a natural infection and then take this injection have a worse problem, but they just overlook that and act like it's not there. That's pretty incredible. But this is called ignoring the scientific studies. And in the same vein of thought, we have the one we just talked about. Excess deaths are on the rise, but not because of COVID. This is in England, of all places, where we continued to show you the data before they hid that from you in their studies from UK that showed you that it's obvious. In the risk per 100,000 in the UK for getting sick with COVID is almost four times for people that are vaccinated than anybody else in every age group. That is the in in pandemic of the injected. That's continuing to transmit between themselves, and it continues to create variants. It continues to get worse. That's what the argument would be. Plenty of arguments we made about whether that's just a combination of flu and pneumonia and illusion. I, I very clearly think that's possible based on Denny Rancourt studies and plenty of other things we've shown. But this is obviously alarming because what I believe this is, is the obvious repercussions of giving people an experimental gene therapy that is not tested properly, that is not sound. On top of that, which could potentially be made for this exact purpose. It's up for you to decide. But the bottom line is the data is being willfully ignored. Now, that's not the point today. We already went over this. UK's baffling non-COVID excess death. The point is not to say we know for sure, but to point out that you read the entire article, anybody's coverage on this, they act like we're so confused. And they point at literally anything, anywhere other than that thing that causes extra things to happen. Right? They know this can cause heart attacks, death, blood clots, on and on and on. They can say it's super rare, but you still have to include that as one of the reasons, don't you? If you're being honest. You won't find a conversation about any injection in that, in that article. Well, here's the next part. Same exact thing. Deaths with unknown causes, now Alberta's top killer. Really? Ill-defined and unknown causes. Look at the difference between the next case. Dementia at 2,135. It jumps all the way to 3,362. Ill-defined and unknown causes. Now, you could argue it could be all sorts of things. Now, let's also be clear that I can promise you that the lockdowns and lack of treatment for cancers, you know, th that added to that for sure. But that wouldn't be ill-defined and unknown, would it? They'd be cancer. They'd be whatever you didn't treat. It would be clear. But you could still argue that there's some things that would lead to that, just to be objective. But what you can't do is ignore that there's only one big difference that's happened between 2019 and 2021. And we know what that is. But also look down the different list, guys. Number three is COVID-19, which that's completely subjective based on a thousand factors. But let's just give them that and say, fine. Look at the next ones. Chronic ischemic heart, uh, 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 ischemic heart disease. I believe, I think I'm mispronouncing that. Malignant uh, neoplasma. That's not the one. Acute myocardial infarction. Well, bronchitis and lung, I would argue masks, but that's my opinion. I think the data backs that up. Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Di uh, stroke. I mean, Really? Now, these are always in there, but the idea that it's all in the top 10, there's something wrong here, and I think we know what that is, but I'll let you make your own decisions. Alberta is reporting an unprecedented increase in ill-defined and unknown causes of death in 2021. That category is, now, by the way, if it was COVID, 
it would have been seen in 2020 when there was no injection in the mix for the most part, like less, I would argue. Because I think it was what at the end of it was December 2020 when they really when they began the administration in the population. It was all studies before that. The point is, guys, that this is it would have been seen in 2020 because that's when they say COVID was rampant with no injections for the most part. So why would it be 2021? Again, obvious correlation. The ca- the category is that category is leading the way over dementia, which has been in the top spot since 2016. So again, that's obvious. You have a clear number one spot that gets pushed out of the way the moment injections are given in a mass scale. And by the way, COVID-19 in that list, which began adding to the death tally in the province in a big way in 2020. In 2021, ill-defined and unknown causes of death snagged the top spot, again with 3,362, up from 1,464 in 2020 and 522 the year before that. But what's most interesting to me is that before that, it was basically not there. The unknown causes of death category only began appearing on the list in 2019. Well, look at that. Right about the time. Don't forget, in the beginning of 2020, that was when they started administering this to people in trials. So it's perfectly correlating, like to a T. There is no record of this idea, unexplained death, ranking before 2019, dating all the way back to 2001. Quote, I think it's probably multifactorial. So there's probably many things playing into that, says Dr. Daniel Gregson, an associate professor in the Cummings School of Medicine and University of Calgary, specializing in infectious diseases and microbiology. The point is, sure, that's a fair statement, and I would agree. Plenty, probably plenty of things. But what you'll note is the bending over backwards to talk about every other possible weird thing you can associate it with except the obvious. Gregson believes those factors include lack of resources to determine the cause of death. So so the fact that we don't know what we're doing or lack of money to to find out, that's ridiculous. It's not it to let's say someone comes in with cancer, it's not I mean they, they are we acting like they don't have the resources to figure that out? What do you mean lack of resources? I think that's such an a, a straw man argument. To just say, like, we need more funding to figure out all these deaths, I don't buy that for a second. But you, know, you could think for yourself. But then it goes on to say, delayed access to healthcare services and post-COVID compilation. Of course, that's what they would say. So again, if it was delayed access, why are we confused about what they're getting sick with or dying, right? If it's delayed access, we would know that it was cancer. We would know that it was whatever disease they were doing because you would see it. This is unknown deaths. That's a false argument. And then post-COVID complications, Well, first of all, the peer-reviewed science I keep showing suggests that it's psychosomatic. But at the very least, we also know that this is not something that is that prevalent. It's happening, but it's also very correlated with the people that have injections in their body. We can't talk about that, though. People that don't, don't seem to have what they're talking about. That's the studies I'm talking about, peer-reviewed and otherwise, that are finding that exact thing. It says, quote, we have this impression of surviving COVID, and that's the end of it. It's not necessarily true. What do you mean? So where's the science that backs that up? This is like, this is them just floating the idea that we generally think that's what's going on. That's not science. That's not sound. Because let me be clear. They have not proven long COVID. That's an anecdotal observational thing that they keep pointing at that I think is meant to cover up what they're dealing with. Gregson points to a large study out of the U.S. that found people who had COVID-19 are at higher risk of heart disease, stroke, pulmonary embolism, and death compared to those who haven't been infected. But you know what that study doesn't get into? Whether the injection plays a factor. Right. Because most of the people that have that after their whatever called COVID-19 were people with injections in their body. You can't keep ignoring the elephant in the room. You have to factor it in if you want to make a fair argument, but they don't want to make a fair argument. 
They know they'll lose their job if they make a fair argument. Heart disease, stroke, all the things they've admitted this can cause, and we won't even mention it? Wow. The risk is even higher for those who end up in the hospital or ICU with COVID. I don't know why that would make sense. Like the idea that these things lead to the, like, look, I'm going to jump to this really quickly. This is the point we keep making about myocarditis. And I'll show this again in a second. April 12th, peer reviewed. Post COVID-19 infection was not associated with myocarditis. We did not observe an increased incidence of either pericarditis or myocarditis. Myocarditis, excuse me. Very clear, right? So how then can we continue to argue that COVID is leading to all these extra problems? Again, heart disease, stroke, that's what they're pointing at. Not that that's myocarditis, but it's in the same wheelhouse. Heart problems, right? Strokes, blood clots. This is flagrant. Quote, we do not expect that there will be the deaths that aren't directly related to COVID. We do not, we, we do expect that there will be deaths that aren't directly related to COVID, but indirectly related to COVID to occur after the diagnosis in patients after the first month of infection. What in the world does that mean? I mean, I know what it means, but think about how flimsy and broad that is. We expect that there will be deaths that aren't directly related, but indirectly related. Meaning what exactly? That you have COVID, which leads to some other problem that they then say is because COVID, right? To occur, to, to occur after the diagnosis in patients after the first month of infection. So they say you're sick, and a month later, you have some other problem. They go, oh, well, COVID caused it. Doesn't matter what it is. That's kind of what's happening. This is the broad sweeping net that they did about COVID cases and everything else. Testing people that have a broken leg and saying, oh, you have COVID. Therefore, you probably caused your broken leg. One would expect that some of those patients are going to survive the COVID, the COVID, (laughs) it's ridiculous, and then die at home from other complications. Oh, that's great. So you mean people that are dying in their beds at home months and months and months later after injections are because of the long COVID? There's no proof to this. There's no evidence of that. They're just saying we would expect that some of these people are just going to die way down the line and just we'll just call it COVID. This is not science, guys. And this is something, again, I'm jumping ahead, but this is something that Dr. McCullough just pointed out that I've talked about, talked about before. Autopsies finding two adolescents following their COVID dose in their beds dead. Here's the specific point. Two teenage boys dead in their beds three and four days after receiving the second dose. That's what they're talking about. They go, oh, COVID. It was because COVID. Or was it because of the injections they just took? And you don't want to acknowledge that's possible. This is outrageous. Now, I want to give a shout out to the person I saw this from, as always. And this this is from Veritas Semper uh, Vicent. I should look that up. That's Latin. But, uh, oh, beauty will save the world. Is that what it means? There's a link right there. I don't think so. Veritas means truth. Anyway, it says cause of death in Alberta, Canada, have a new exotic leader, which has papered only after 2019, ill-defined and unknown causes. Time to brush up on an old conspiracy theory that's difficult to mention on Twitter. Thank you for sharing that. It's important to see this stuff. And I believe, oh, unfortunately, he didn't apply the link, which always should, guys. I don't know why we wouldn't. But I had to search for it and found it. I'm just going to post it really quickly so other people can find it as well. But going forward, here is some follow-up to that. People that are dealing with this and calling it something else, in my opinion. This person's account is called, it would not it, it have been worse if I hadn't gotten the jab. I love that. Stroke post-jab, which is true. Not saying we know for sure it caused the stroke, but we got the person got an injection, they had a stroke. Blaming it on none other than climate anxiety. 
Not a joke. David Throop. President Biden, VP Harris, 2020, hashtag. At last, some good news. We've got to heal divisions. Now, is that what happened? Are Biden and Harris healing divisions or are they stoking divisions? They love to yell that we're called, Trump did the same thing. It's all about unity. And then at the very actions they take are the opposite. It's two-party illusion stuff, guys. They want you divided. Of course, end the misinformation. Of course, they just, well, they mean stop the kind of misinformation I don't like and continue the misinformation I agree with. Rebuild trust and hope. This is back in 2020, November. But he says, but we must note that Trump got more votes than last time, despite everything, lot to do. There's that tweet. Just had my first AstraZeneca jab, cycled to the venue and back. Feel great. Jabba dabba do. 2021. There's that tweet. Just so you can see it for yourself. Then next one says, I hope you realized from yesterday's tweet, I've had a stroke. So a couple of months later, I'm recovering in this hospital, sending solidarity to in London today. I'll be back right there. Okay, going forward for the podcast, I'm showing them the tweets so we can see them for real. Then he follows up on September 4th, 2021. I am sure my recent stroke was due to worry about government inaction on climate change. How, how abstract is that? How do you prove that? He says, but I'm still praying, playing my part from hospital. Okay, so that's his opinion, to be very clear. I don't know why anybody would even doubt that. What I am sure, I don't know why he would be sure, my recent stroke was due to worry. So not because of climate change which is what the argument tends to be. Because, you know, climate change is causing strokes, right? But his worry about inaction. So it, basically what you're saying is because I worry about stuff, because I worry, which means you, do you only worry about climate change or do you worry about other topics? Do you worry about your children? Do you worry about your job? So your anxiety caused the stroke. Why would that be specific to climate change? This seems very intentional, but that's not the real point. The point is to show you how they ignore the correlation. Here's this one. In action on climate change. I mean, my God, how ridiculous is this? Then it goes on to say, remember, I've said I attribute my stroke to climate anxiety. Is this a new syndrome? Is anyone else suffering from it? I'm in hospital, by the way, still, but was unable to stand unaided today. You can DM me if you want. To be clear, he's pushing this idea as a fact, despite the fact there's nothing to back that up other than his opinion. Why did you just grab on to anxiety about climate change? Who made that assessment? Why would you think that? Is there, isn't there a million other causes that could be the result? I mean, just think about how ridiculous that is. But here, now we enter the world of climate change stroke, which is like everything else they're po- talking about, right? That climate change is the focal point. I mean, this is just infuriating, is it not? Now, the point, again, is that these people got an injection and then had a stroke. They've admitted the jab can cause a stroke blood clots. Why don't we at least ask the question? You know the answer. Then finally, then we have the idea coming from Spain. Never has there been such an excess death in May and June. So yet again, we have another example of another country having a weird issue with excess death that nobody wants to relate to the problem. I mean, I just don't understand how this can be so blatant and nobody wants to talk about it outside of independent media. All triple jab. Six, 66% are women, which is interesting. Until now, COVID affected men more equally, that according to their data, by the way. But it simply goes on to point out, and by, here's the, the Dropbox that he posted. You can look through all this for yourself. 
all the breakdown of the data, the graphs, all sourced back to official sources. He's saying, since the end of 2020, with and without vaccines, absolute normality in all January, February, March, April, even March, April 2020, when the pandemic hit, there was not a single excess. Why the destructive lockdowns? Why coercion to vaccinate youth and children? He says, in summary, never in the pandemic has there been any significant excess deaths over for, uh, less than 45, equal to or less than 45. And since December 2020, there have been no significant excess deaths at any age except for the two off seasons, May, May June 2022, at over uh, 75, all triple vaxxed. Twitter locked his account for exposing this very clear data point, showing off-season excess death in Spain and hypothesizing about vaccines, right? You're just not allowed to have intellectual conversation about data that shows something. Is it not possible it's a vaccine? Of course it is. But they censored him. And of course, he, I don't know, Elon Musk, help me, Elon. Not to make fun of him, I'm just tired of that. But guys, this is important. I, I'll make sure I actually, I forgot that I was going to follow him. But the, the data is there for you to peruse for yourself. The point is, yet again, excess death. It's baffling, unexplainable, except that it's not. It's obvious to me what this is, what's going on. And here's another one. New Zealand. Bernie's tweets. Remember how she eliminated COVID, the prime minister? Almost 85% of the population in New Zealand, New Zealand is vaccinated with masks still mandatory indoors. The vaccine passport still being used. New Zealand now has one of the world's highest COVID case rates. Don't forget, by the way, before the vaccine administration, they had like, I, I don't want to for, uh, forget the number or misquote the number. But if I remember correctly, it was something like below 100 cases total. And that's including false positives. Think about how crazy that is. And yet here we are where they're still talking about pushing boosters over and over no matter what. We're now watching countries like Israel see their cases surge to spark high vaccination rates. How important are boosters to maintaining this no lockdown plan and how soon we need to get them so that we can maintain these freedoms we're being promised? We need to get used to being vaccinated with COVID vaccines for the future. Um, I can't see that COVID is not going to be with us forever. Um, maybe in the future we can have even better vaccines and coverage across the world to achieve that. I mean, as a public health doctor, we always want to have diseases go, um, get totally eliminated, but that's not on the horizon in the near future. So booster doses, repeat doses will be part of it. You know, there'll be different advice about different schedules, which doses you get. But at the moment, our priority has to be getting first and second doses into people. And there will be recommendations about booster doses in the future. And I can assure you that the Commonwealth Government has, has purchased a large quantities of vaccine into 2022 and this will be a regular cycle of vaccination and revaccination. yep continuing no matter what despite the fact that the very clear correlation the very clear correlation of the administration of the injections is with the problem right despite the fact that they had almost nothing happening before that so why did you begin the pro why did you begin the administration if there wasn't a problem? Well, because that's what the narrative was. Getting ahead of it is not what you're supposed to be doing. It's not supposed to be something you force on people when there's nothing happening, and then the problem begins after you force the solution. Remember that the solution will be worse than the problem. Well, welcome to that. Thanks, Trump. Well, here's another interesting point, guys. This is something we just talked about. Conspiracy theory becomes conspiracy fact. It's not even a new video, and yet this all continues. And for infants, no less, stand up for your children now before that is no longer an option. And the person who posted the video was censored for it. 
Well, guess what, guys? I'll show the video again. This is a corporate media report. So how are we being censored? Because you're sharing things that they're not, you're not supposed to be saying out loud. Only corporate media, I guess, can get away with certain things like this. But at the end of the day, it's important to see. And I, th I think I have, uh, let's make sure I have that. Let's see. Oh, I swear I downloaded that. In any case, let me just play it right here. I think it's loud enough. EU regulators are warning that frequent COVID-19 booster shots could adversely affect the immune system and may not be feasible. The European Medicines Agency says repeat doses every four months could eventually weaken people's immune systems. They want more time between booster programs tied to the onset of cold weather. Israel has already begun a fourth dose program with about 400,000 people getting the jab. There you go. How important is that? Right, they're telling you what they're also they're elsewhere calling fake news. I mean, think about that. And then they censor him for pointing that out. Right, the immune system warning: more boosters as at the frame they're pushing will cause immune system problems, which is exactly what we're talking about. Right now, here is Jordan Satchel pointing something out about Fauci that I find very, very interesting. The idea that it's all about this faith-based system—that's what they want, scientism idea. The idea that they've continued to push from one to the next about why this makes sense is just illogical. It's not science. It says, after month-long COVID bout, Fauci claims quad vax status prevented severe disease. This is the ridiculous argument we keep seeing. Well, it would have been worse. How do you know that, in fact? Well, as it says, I wanted to turn your attention to a revealing interview conducted with Dr. Fauci this week. It shines a light on his faith-based approach to the mRNA miracle and his overall lack of data-based data-based thought process regarding his own bout with the virus. In the interview, Fauci credited getting quad-vaxxed with keeping him from having a much more serious bout with COVID. Now, what he's going to mention in this article as well is that, don't forget, that he had the Paxlovid as well, the things that weren't even supposed to be discussed. Like, like right now, it's not supposed to be, well, I guess they just effectively authorized it for certain groups. But doesn't that matter? How do you know it's the vaccine if you took all these other precautions and actions, right? And that's not to suggest that I'm claiming that I know that there's that they're having an effect or not hurting people, in fact. But I'm trying to argue again from within the narrative that they're saying that this is the, what this is what did it. The vaccine saved me. Well, what about all the other things you did? Why doesn't that factor in? Because it's a narrative they're trying to push. It says the visibly ill Fauci was on an interview saying, I'm really fortunate that I've done very well. And I keep telling people it's that I was vaccinated first two doses and doubly boosted. So four total. And I believe that if I did not have the degree, which by the way, I'm not suggesting, he probably know it was saline, have a degree of, of background protection. I would have had a much more serious course. My course was relatively light, which it wasn't actually true, minor symptoms. And right now I'm a completely without symptoms. Now he says, how exactly did Fauci know that his generally mild respiratory virus would make him lethally ill? Because again, that's the point guys. Nobody's, this is not very dangerous for the vast majority of people. It's less than the flu, if that's even what's actually there. So the point is that why would you argue that would be lethally deadly, like if without the thing that is actually, in, in fact, increasing your risk, right? When you, I mean, it's like saying that the flu would be guaranteed to kill you if you didn't take the injection. And we know that's not true. The data shows that's not true. So too here. So why do they keep saying it? It's a point we need to continue to acknowledge. They keep pushing this idea, and I'll come back to this in a minute, uh, th like this. You know, just take this so we can all be safe. But what do you mean? Haven't you admitted that you doesn't stop transmission? That they, so if it doesn't stop transmission and you can get reinfected, why would everybody getting this keep everybody safe? 
you've already, you've already passed the illusion of herd immunity with what you're talking about. So here we are. They just keep pushing the narrative in despite the information. But he says, well, he had blind faith in the narrative. Of course. Notably, Fauci did not mention the fact that he took two full rounds of Paxlovid, or I'd like to be clear, Pfizer's oral antiviral pill, which I'm pretty sure is Paxlovid, against the guidance of his own government health agencies. So does he not trust the science? So was it the pills or the vaccines, right? Now, again, Satchel's not arguing that we think those things are effective. We're simply making the logical point to challenge the inconsistency of his own logic. Was the pills, the vaccines, or maybe his mask and lockdown advocacy that saved him, right? All the other things, but nope, it had to be the injection, right? Because that's the point, the narrative. Fauci says he believes Paxlovid kept him out of the hospital, even though he tested positive again. Fauci's messaging on the miracle cure continues to change as pharmaceutical companies recommend more and more doses of the miracle cure. At first, Fauci claimed the primary series of mRNA shots would effectively immunize people from COVID-19 and work as a sterilizing agent. Remember that? Then, of course, moving the goalpost, Fauci claimed that three doses was the optimal regimen. Now, he's endorsed seasonal injections of the miracle cure. Right? So either at some point you have to acknowledge that it didn't work and that's why you need more of them, but still, you can still pretend that it would give you some kind of benefit, but you can't keep pretending that it's exactly what it was always supposed to be when you keep changing the move. It's not unvaccinated people that are stopping this or causing this to wane. It's the failure of the immune system created by the introduction of something that's not properly tested. In fact, it might have been designed this way. It's up for you to decide. But the point is that this thing is clearly the fault of the people making it and the push of the government. You can't claim the unvaccinated caused this thing to not work properly. But Alexandros Mayoronis uh, says, wait, why is Pfizer asking FDA to approve? Damn it. I commented down below and they're saying, guys, come on. It's, a, it's a authorization, not approved. We got to be clear on this. But the FDA to authorize dose number four, which is happening. Right. They're ask, he's asking them to authorize the next shot. He's, I thought Fauci said it's very likely that the COVID vaccine will become the three dose regimen. Maybe it's going to be a four dose regimen or we're waking up uh, or we are making it up as we go. Any random controlled trials on this? Obviously not. Now, the point was this was March 11th, 2022. They're going to continue to push this down the line. They've made that clear. Canada put the, let the cat out of the back. There's no more such thing as fully vaccinated anymore. You're only up to date. And every three months, we're going to continue to offer more shots. But they gave the nine month period to say, if you've gotten it within this nine month period, then you're currently up to date. Then from there, three months every time, we're going to give you another shot. That's going to continue to happen. So ask yourself this. Do they even need to authorize more numbers? If Canada's just going, screw it, we're going to force you to do them anyway. Now, understand in Canada, it's not forced in the traditional sense of the word. But when you have mandates that allow, that allow people to have vaccine passports that stop you from being able to live your life or losing your job or not being able to go to the store, well, it obviously is forced then. Just, just because they put it forward and go, we recommend the number seven. And if you don't, you can't live your life. That's, that's coercion. That is being forced. Moreover, Fauci's change in tone is striking from his previous interviews concerning his bout with COVID. In late June, while on his second course of the Pfizer bill, Fauci claimed to be feeling really poorly and credited the second course of the pill with reversing his troubling symptoms. Dr. Fauci shuns FDA and CDC recommendations and starts second course of Paxlovid. Like, think about it. If, if anybody else had done that, let's say with ivermectin, they call you a conspiracy theorist. You're supposed to be trusting the science. Here he is ignoring what they say to do. Why does he get to do that? Why is it safe for him? Oh, because as a doctor? Well, Dr. McCullough thinks differently. Dr. Cole thinks differently. Plenty of doctors think differently. You see, it's just subjective. It's always subjective. He's fully vaccinated, double boosted, but felt very poorly and his symptoms felt much worse. 
following the rebound. You know, the rebound, meaning that it did not work. Altogether, Fauci has claimed to have been sick for almost a whole month after testing positive in mid-June. This is hardly evidence of a quad vax and double antiviral pilled regimen somehow saving Fauci from worse outcomes. As his bout with COVID was, in fact, verifiably so, much worse than the statistical norm. So how is it that it would have been worse if what you experienced was worse than most people? Interesting point. Study found boosted people like Fauci are the slowest to clear SARS-CoV-2. Interesting, isn't it? At the end of the interview, Fauci expressed disappointment that his friends at Pfizer and Moderna have only been able to inject a small percentage of infants and toddlers. There is no evidence that these shots serve any benefit to children, but the loyal pharmaceutical salesman stayed on message. Sash tell rights, I agree, but I do believe it's not just no evidence of benefit. Very, very, very clearly, undeniably, lots of evidence of terrible side effects, of danger, harm. We're going to get into that next. Quote, we've got to do better on the numbers, he says, because we've still got relatively small fraction of those children who are eligible and we need to get them vaccinated. Because when they push that, that's how they get to the point where they can ignore side effects. Indemnity. Sprinkling in the usual evidence-free fear-mongering, he added, quote, children can get severe disease. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, like 0.0001%, if any. So, yeah, he's like, my point is not to say that I agree with that, but the point is to say children can get severe disease. How much? How many? 50%? All of them? None? It doesn't matter. The point is it's just a statement broad to scare people. There's no doubt that somebody out there could die, so force every child to get this injection. What? That's science? On top of that, it's not just about whether they can get severe disease. It's about whether the issue that we're dealing with, if that's what's happening, is something that is worth getting an injection that causes all these long-term effects, the increase of myocarditis, because what we continue to show you, based on peer-reviewed science, that these children are at dramatically low risk, less than the flu. That's a statement of fact that they've been forced to admit. Oxford's calculator of risk for COVID continues to say one in a million chance of dying. So then why would you give them something that increases their risk of other dangerous things? The interview ended with Fauci recommending that everyone make sure to get another dose of Miracle Cure, endorsing the latest injection. My God. Well, here is what they don't want you to see. Pfizer crimes against our children, global research rights, cardiac arrest of two-month-old baby an hour after the injection. 58 babies who received mRNA COVID injections suffered life-threatening adverse events. Now, let's look at these first. Well, I, I, I shall jump around. Yeah, I'll, I'll read this and go and show you. I got the Bayer's reports right here. How did a two-month-old baby receive... Uh, oh, wait. Okay, I'm going to look at the first one, I guess. Then I'll, I kind of mixed it up. So here's the first report. Age 0.17. Okay, under a year old. Now, what's interesting is Pfizer-BioNTech. Not Comirnaty. So that's clear. That's this is that we're talking about the the un, unapproved emergency authorized injection. It says life threatening. Yes. Recovered. No. Okay, that's interesting. Then it says did he, did they die? Where was it? Oh, that's weird. Oh, right there. Died. No. Okay. So if it's if they if it's life threatening and they haven't recovered, that means they still can die. But it says chest pain, cardiac arrest, skin cold and clammy, a two-month-old male patient. So ask yourself, how did they get the injection? Were they at a trial? 
They could be, and I'll make that clear. It could be that, but they don't make this clear in here. Either way, the point is not just that they got it when they weren't supposed to, but that this is causing this to happen. Now, for those that are interested, lot number EL739, the patient's medical history and concomitant medications were not reported. I don't know why that would be. Doesn't it matter? Patient has not had symptoms associated with COVID-19. So to be clear, for those that want to call it COVID-19 or that they got sick with COVID or whatever else, that's not true. Observed for 15 minutes, left the clinic, returned one hour. Why we think 15 minutes makes sense is because they want this to happen somewhere other than in front of the people that gave it. My opinion. But 15 minutes left, then they returned in an hour. An hour later, the child was presenting skin cold, clammy with chest pains, cardiac arrest. That's a big deal. That means their heart would stop. Then, then developed. Patient had not tested positive for COVID since having the vaccine. Let's just rule that out, guys. Reported as serious with seriousness criteria life-threatening. How in the world does that make sense to anybody? But what they say is, how did a two-month-old baby receive the injection? It's a good question. The vaccines have not yet received emergency authorization for, as I, I still, it still bothers me, for approved use in children. Now, I would argue that you could use the word approved in some cases where it's not meaning the official approved FDA meaning, that just it's approved as in allowed. But I, we have to be very careful with how these things are used because they will be manipulated and they, they want us to conflate those two terms. But the have not received emergency authorization in children ages five and under, right? We know this. Or any other regulatory authority, or even if it if it will, the the EUA will only include babies six months and older, right? So the point is that which we do have six month emergency authorization, it's two months old. It says the report was received from a contactable other healthcare professional by Pfizer from the regulatory agency. This note implies that the infant might have actually participated in the trial, right? So it's possible. Well, let's just even say likely. It says why did they not follow up on the two month old baby's condition, which is what the report showed after going into cardiac arrest. An hour after receiving the injection? Why is there no further information? Is it because the baby died? Or was the baby removed from the experiment? Which they do. We've shown you that in the studies that they've released or the data that Pfizer's been forced to release grudgingly. These children will have death or cardiac arrest or, or hospitalization within the first 21 days and they just bump them down and say, well, it could have been something else. Even though the Alberta study showed us or the information they released, that almost everything that's happening here, over 80% of everything, case, death, hospitalization, is happening within 21 days of the injection. You can't pretend that's something else. But it says, why would the author of the report not mention what happened? Doesn't that matter? Shockingly, it turns out that this incident is not isolated, but in fact, one of many invaders. I'm only going to show you one more, but there's a lot of them. 58, according to this report, which you can find for yourself, describing babies and children under five exposed to these injections. Not all of them even potentially in the, in the trials, right? They've suffered life-threatening adverse reactions. Even though children under five were not considered eligible for these vaccines unless they were part of the clinical trial, astonishingly, it appears that there are many reports in the system describing babies and toddlers who were vaccinated. I keep telling you this from the very beginning, guys. They have been, there is doctors, they're giving them to whoever they want because they've been convinced that it's safe and effective because of the media, not because of science or because of what doctors are saying. Some of the children suffered from life-threatening adverse events. In some cases, it is not clear what happened to them. Did they survive and recover? Did they still suffer from health problems or did they die? Well, people like Maddie DeGarry would have an interesting story for you that are still struggling with life, debilitating, life-altering problems to this very day, and they called it a stomachache in Bayer's.
We're seeing this all over the place. There's a lot of these they cover up with something else. And I'm not, t- I'm not saying cover up that we think this is a fact. We've seen the outcome and they call it something else. It says one of the most chilling reports refers to a 43-day-old female baby. 43-day-old baby, guys. Right after the vaccination. I mean, that's not, there's not even a study that's in that, that, that level. Right after the vaccination, the baby suffered a variety of life-threatening multi-system injuries. Anaphylactic reaction. I'll show you. I'll actually show you in the report. But ask yourself why a forty-three-day-old baby would would why in the world you would think an injection like this would be safe or even reasonable? Although in a, in the section reporting death, the statement states no. The section reporting recovery also states no. Again, meaning the baby was not recovered. What happened to her? Is she alive or did she die? Now you can read the rest. Of this. There's a lot of good reporting in this in this article. But again, I want to point out that this, it, just to clarify again, because we're talking about cardiac arrest. Everybody wants to, oh, well, COVID has a long life. No, it doesn't, according to the peer-reviewed science. Post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with myocarditis. Now, you could point to other things. Of course, that's what they'll do. But here's the point about specifically the heart issue. That is not associated with COVID-19. Only the injection is. But that's not, that has not graced the corporate media conversation yet. Of course not. Despite this coming out on April 12th peer-reviewed because they don't look at the science they look at what they're told the science is here's that report age 0.08 again pfizer biontech covid19 recovered no but it says respiratory distress circulatory disorder peripheral lightheadedness asthma exacerbation dyspnea not being able to breathe a 43 day old female patient received they say comernity Okay, so wait a minute. If it's being reported as the BioNTech discussion and then we claim it's Comernity, what are we talking about here? And why would Comernity be being given to a 43-year-old female patient when it's not even in circulation, guys? What's going on here? Something crazy, in my opinion, but I'll let you decide for yourself. Again, this was on uh, 2021, all the way back in 2021. How is it Comernity? That is March. I mean, my God, I just can't get past how crazy this is. Lot number EK9788. The patient experienced disorder, lightheadedness, asthma, dyspnea, respiratory distress, not being able to breathe. The outcome of the events was not recovered. Actually, oh, actually, it's January 30th, 2021. Interesting. It entered. Oh, it entered date. Okay, got it. Anyway, that's this is real, guys. These are children, 43-day-old children that are being injected and having potentially life-threatening issues. As Peter McCullough points out, Dr. McCullough should have been voluntarily pulled off the market at 50, and the report's top pointing out 1,223 died in the trials, not even mentioning all the other adverse effects. According to Dr. McCullough, who is a rem- a rem- as a reminder, the CDC and the FDA used as an expert historically, now call a fake news conspiracy theorist, said drugs got pulled off the shelf at 50 deaths. This is the, this is the Pfizer data showing you that there were 1,223 fatal outcomes, which they then just out, they just kick out and don't report and act like had to do with something else. Like we keep telling you. In the past, as we also keep telling you, 50 reported deaths, not proven, but reported, have pulled things in the past. We've talked about the UK admitting this in 2006, that you don't need to prove these things. You just need the safety signal. So what changed? Well, an agenda. That's what changed. He also points this out that we made clear before that many of the cases of these fatal myocarditis heart issues do not give the opportunity for CPR. 
Best prevention measure is to not take the injection. As you can see, they died three and four days after their second dose in their beds at night. Teens. And this, again, we've already reported this. Read it for yourself. This is criminal. Now, to the one last point before we finish off on the FBI point, or two last points for the FBI point, is that we need to acknowledge how ridiculous this is. This is the, I showed you this yesterday. This is just despicable. As I said, this is disgusting, bottom-of-the-barrel emotional manipulation with zero facts. That's seemingly how desperate they are to inject the uninjected, who, by the way, aren't suffering endless reinfections, illness, immune deficiencies, and heart attacks. Just as a side note, this is Morgan Freeman saying, if you trust me, take the injection. Here I am to say, I trust science and I got the vaccine. If you trust me, you'll get the vaccine. Seriously? Are that one of these people six years old? So you're not your drive is that you trust an actor who's paid to say this? Let's not pretend that. I mean, whether or not he was even paid, guys, this is an, a non-doctor, non-scientist sitting there because he is an actor telling you, well, they told me you trust me. So I'm going to tell you to get the injection. So if you trust me, get the injection. I mean, this is incredible. That is, it makes my skin crawl. That's, and I, and I historically like Morgan Freeman. These kind of people, though, that are being driven into this, it makes me sick. But as Han points out, again, we know this doesn't stop transmission. They've admitted that. We know that this can be spread. Then the people that are boosted, they claim everybody. You could just take their narrative. It would still work. But the clear point is that it's people that are boosted are being reinfected and sharing this again and again. And people that aren't injected seem to be fine based on my experience and the data that I'm looking at. But the point is, even if it was everybody, you know for sure that whether the injection is given, that it's going to continue to spread and people will continue to catch it. Even if you want to lie and say that it reduces your symptoms. So how then is giving that thing to everybody helping anybody else? How is it helping anybody really? As he points out, I just can't understand how they continue to push this let's take care of each other mantra like it actually prevents infections, transmissions, or could possibly end the pandemic if everyone would just take the jab. It provides, I don't agree with this, but the point is they would say short, and this is the, what their data would argue, short-lived personal benefits with many risks. Now, I disagree with that only because I don't think that this even has short-lived personal benefits. I, I'm not trying to take a hard stance here. I think that's what the data shows. But regardless, you know, even if that's true, that it does not stop infection transmissions based on what they're telling you, yet they, st they still yell at you that about saving your grandma, doing this for everybody else's benefit. It doesn't work unless we all do it. Klaus Schwab says no one's safe until we're all vaccinated. None of that is even logical with what they tell you. Their own narrative shows that's not true. Arguing from within their narrative. Just think this is, it's just crazy how clear this is, guys. And this is why you're not alone. Everybody sees this, whether they want to admit it or not. Even the people that have been tricked who don't want to admit that they made the wrong choice, who are doubling down, they're scared now. They see this. Their only choice is to hope they weren't wrong. But it might not matter if they can just drive in the next fear-mongering scare tactic, right? Well, we see monkeypox, we just talked about the other day, seems to be building, despite there only being allegedly two deaths they haven't confirmed yet. But still... Pushing it and rising it and making it fear mong. Well, guess what they just discussed on the sun? This is yesterday. Killer threat is the sub, the, oh, the headline of really? Killer threat. Alert over new outbreak of Ebola-like disease that causes 90% of patients to bleed to death. Well, it says called the Marburg virus, which we've talked about before, by the way. 
which there's some interesting connections to the larger COVID discussion I'll come circle back to here, but it's not today, but in a future show, it causes those struck to bleed to death. Well, it says the World Health Organization said Ghana, interesting, again, Ghana, there's some things I'll get into there in the next show, has reported two possible cases of the Marburg disease. Possible. Possible. So hyping, well, you're going to see this discussed right now about new things coming. There's articles coming out doing the next Ebola, the next pandemic threat is coming your way. Possible cases. The two patients who sadly died had been taken to a local hospital with symptoms including diarrhea, fever, nausea, and vomiting. Okay, so like a million other things. It confirmed, if confirmed, as it says, if confirmed, it would mark the first ever such infections of the West African country. First, if confirmed. So we don't even know what's happening here. This could be any number of other things. We're just guessing and scaring people. But it says the Ghana Health Services with no new cases have been reported since the two samples were taken two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So we've already had a two-week barrier where nothing else has happened, and yet we're still pushing this out? But that 34 people who had contact, are already quarantined. Okay. Why would you push this out other than hyping the fear about other viruses coming your way? Even if they want to pretend that's going to put people in the right mindset because we should be scared. They're already showing this didn't go anywhere, and the hype is that we don't know for sure. This is just blatant fear-mongering, guys, and they want you in the mindset of the biosecurity state. That's what I think. But to finish off today in the in the the discussion of hype, really, hype and lie and manipulation. This article we gets a lot of attention, and we've talked about this before. I know reposted from three the, the Free Thought Project way back when 2017. We were reposting a lot of content today. T Lab is all entirely T Lab original content. But the title is Parents Catch FBI in Plot to Force Mentally Ill Son to Be a Right-Wing Terrorist. Now we I actually, by the way, just to shout this out, I have an interview with Jason from the Free Thought Project coming up very soon. Looking forward to that. They do a lot of great work focused on police brutality and a lot of other things and just general independent media. But the, the, again, shout this to the site that it came from. But this article is important because it shows you the, the way this actually went down. And then I'm going to follow up with some really unnerving conclusion to this, which I wasn't aware of back in 2021 that makes me upset. But first of all, understand this story. So this is from 2017, when it was written. Now, this is this time in the case of Jerry Drake Varnell, who is this kid right here, severely schizophrenic. The 23-year-old diagnosed schizophrenic accused of attempting to bomb a bank. The FBI fomented terror from a right-wing dialogue. Now, it says, in a June meeting with the agent, according to FBI documents, which again, right there, I'm, I'm not to be a contrarian or just calling, I don't trust the FBI and they've proven reasons not to trust what they would write down, just to be clear. Their own actions have shown they're not trustworthy. But it says, Varnell described himself as a believer in three percenter ideology, a right-wing group claiming to be committed to standing against the exposing corruption and, and injustice. Okay, so believing in three percenters, I mean, it, the, the point about making this a right-wing thing is very transparent when you dig into the, the discussion about what they're trying to create here, seeking somebody like this out to use. But is it, is it wrong to believe in three percenters? No. Is it wrong to have, be a conservative? No. But the point here is how they then use things that really the overarching point, as you'll see in the next point, the next discussion from the parents is that this kid is right, is, is dramatically schizophrenic to the point to where they deemed him unable to make his own decisions. So then why then, regardless of what he said, would you act like it was actually something that was a real threat? And even if you did think that, why would you take it to criminal action instead of a hospital? You see the point? 
but you'll see what I mean. In the June meeting with the agent, according to FBI documents, he described himself as the believer of three percenters. It says, according to the federal documents, Varnell drove what he believed was a stolen van containing a thousand pound ammonium nitrate bomb on Saturday morning to blow up the Oklahoma City Bank, which was ultimately, they claim, a bomb that was not real. However, if we backtrack just a bit to when the FBI began grooming their would-be right-wing militia terrorists, the vileness comes directly from the government. Quote, the FBI knew he was schizophrenic, says his parents. And here's what they said. Quote, underneath his condition, he's a sweet-hearted person. Of course, you know, parents would probably say that, but that's not the point. And we are extremely shocked that this event has happened. However, what truly has us flabbergasted is the fact that the FBI knew, verifiably, by the way, that he was schizophrenic. The state of Oklahoma legally found him mentally incompetent. And we, as his parents, have legal guardianship over him by the court. So if he's mentally deemed mentally incompetent, how in the world can you argue that this is, the, the, the bottom line, this would be somebody who should have been put in a hospital, regardless of what was being said. Plenty of schizophrenics will say all kinds of crazy things. That doesn't always mean it's going to happen. It could, but that's not somebody you put in prison. That's always the, that's, this has been the mindset for a long time. This is an abuse of the situation by the FBI for a very clear reason. Now it says these documents are sealed from the public, which is why no media outlets have been able to obtain them. The FBI clearly knew, and this is proven, the FBI clearly knew that he was schizophrenic because they gathered every ounce of information on him. Yet they knowingly continued to groom him despite the clear immoral implications. I mean, this would be like taking anybody that's not mentally sound and pretending like they're capable of being accused of some masterminding crime. But what it goes on to say is, when they began grooming him, uh, they, they knew he was mentally unfit to, uh, yeah, it says, when they began grooming him, According to the, F the family, the FBI knew that Varnell was declared mentally unfit to live by himself and that he was a paranoid schizophrenic. Exactly. Quote, what the public should be looking at is the fact that the FBI gave our son the means to make this happen. He has no job, no money, no vehicle, no driver's license due to the fact that he is a schizophrenic and we, his parents, do everything we can possible to keep him safe and functional. He has suffered through countless, serious, full-blown schizophrenic delusional episodes. And he has been put in numerous mental hospitals since he was 16 years old. This is the guy they claim was going to blow buildings up if it was left to his own devices? I mean, even if that was the case, again, this is a hospital. He's a paranoid schizophrenic. Do you think the FBI planting ideas in his head could have been you, could have been the very reason he was driven to that paranoia? Why? Of course this is a valid discussion. The FBI came and literally picked him up from the parents' home, gave him a vehicle, even though he didn't have a driver's license, gave him a fake bomb and every means to make this happen, none of which he had access to on his own. Arguably wouldn't have been capable of doing so. The parents noted that during the setup, they suspected something was going on. And Jerry's father literally confronted them, told the informant of the FBI to stay away from their son. So right there, this should have been over, guys. Now, according to the parents, the informant, quote, continued to sneak onto their property. That's illegal. The FBI paid him to continue this operation, and the parents says they believe that they, that they have cleared his criminal record. The, the, the person who, should, who broke the law to do this. I mean, that everything about this is wrong. It says, quote, the FBI should have filed conspiracy on our son 
and had him committed to a mental institution, which was what you would do with a paranoid schizophrenic. Now, I mean, again, hear that other point, guys. A paranoid schizophrenic is very suggestible. You can very clearly manipulate their mental state to drive them to feel they're in danger, drive them to feel that there's a risk, or drive them to take certain action. They know that. Trust that. They should not have aided and abetted a paranoid schizophrenic to commit this act. There are many more facts that I will not make public that will support my son and the disturbing acts made by the FBI. I realize that, my, that many will say my son could have found another person to commit this act. Certainly possible. Yet, any person that has access to the materials and the state of mind necessary to bomb a building would not have any need for a paranoid schizophrenic who has no resources to contribute. Now, it would only add other than using him as a scapegoat, which seems to be the point, doesn't it? So, plenty more on this. Please read the article. There's links to the discussions. This is important. Now, here's the, the most disconcerting part. Now, thank you for those that pointed this out on Twitter. I hadn't seen this. This is from December 15, 2021. Would-be downtown Oklahoma City bank bombers conviction upheld. Seriously. Listen to right out of their own article. It says the federal appeals court has rejected a would-be bomber's claim that the FBI manipulated him into trying to blow up a bank in downtown Oklahoma City. Now, the point here is not that they didn't find that they'd manipulated him. They, in fact, explicitly find the FBI crossed lines in doing so, but still find him guilty. Explain that to me. Jerry Drake Varnell is serving right now, I mean, since at the very least, let's put it this way, from 2021 forward, a 25 years in federal prison sentence for attempting to detonate a fake 1,000-pound bomb outside Bank First headquarters in 2017. <clears throat> His attorney had asked the 10th U.S. Circuit uh, Court of Appeals to reverse the diagnosed schizophrenic's conviction. I mean, the fact that he's a diagnosed schizophrenic should be enough here, guys. Quote, due to the government's outrageous conduct. The FBI agent's conduct, he says, in this case, can be summarized in one sentence. They started a fire so that they could put it out. That's what they do. Now, just to take a quick brief moment to point this out, this has been shown by even the corporate media. Here's an article in 2012 by the, by the New York Times. Hatch terrorist plots hatched by the FBI. Now, I forget where this is in the article, but they find that something like 90% of what they stop is stuff that they have some hand in creating. Now, there's a valid argument made about how you can, there's a line there, but not to the point to where you give every single thing they need. I mean, look, I would argue from my perspective, the FBI shouldn't even be allowed to do this. It's entrapment. It's pre-crime kind of stuff. He would have done this. Or rather, had he, would he have even done this if it wouldn't have been suggested to him or wouldn't have been given the resources to do it? Or was it all bluster? Were they, gonna, were they just liking to talk about these things because they like to sound a certain way? They've already had things like that. There's an incident I talked about in the past of a, of a uh, it was an African-American man who was also mentally disabled, who they, they manipulated into using toy cars during a 4th of July parade to, to, to use bombs. He backed out. He got to a point where he said, look, I'm not going to do this. Then when they finally realized he was just not going to do it, they arrested him anyway, charged him with attempt. Not making that up. Even though it could have been very really, really could have been that he just was thought, you know, playing a game or like to feel like he was involved in, or at the end of the day, it didn't happen regardless of what was being stated. So how do you know it ever would have? This is crazy. Now think about how that applies to everything else they do in the world, guys, and overseas. Here's the BuzzFeed news, how the FBI invents terror plots to catch wannabe jihadis. They're faking this stuff. Going forward, the law is clear 
The government may not involve itself so directly and continuously in the creation of a crime and then prosecute the offenses developed through that conduct. That's a fact. No one can deny that. So we know, as even the judge admits, they did involve themselves to that degree. So how did this get upheld? In an opinion Monday, the 10th Circuit Circuit three-judge panel affirmed Varnell's conviction and sentence. The judge agreed, in fact. The FBI's investigation in this matter was aggressive, and its participation in constructing the bomb and choosing the target was excessive. However, Varnell made deeply troubling statements to a friend before the FBI became involved, then voluntarily engaged in serious criminal conduct during the course of the investigation. Well, what, you know, voluntary is a, a strong word, seeing as how they aggressively manipulated him and tried to get him to do it for a long period of time. But bottom line, he's a paranoid schizophrenic. How can you take him at face value with statements if he's a paranoid schizophrenic who is not even, who is deemed, what's the term they used? By the court was deemed, where was it? Shoot. You know, not not capable to make his own decisions. That the parents have complete control over his life. Why can't I find that right now? (laughs) In any case, the, the bottom line being, oh, right there, that he is mentally incompetent. So a mentally incompetent schizophrenic who is at the mercy of his parents, doesn't have a car, doesn't have anything, is, is, is somebody that they think, I mean, bottom line, should have been in a hospital. Crucially, Varnell drove the van containing the inert bomb at the aggressive behest of the, of the, of the FBI to the bank, circled the building until security left the alleyway, then attempted to detonate the bomb three times. According to them, by the way, because nobody else was there, by the way, just them, just the FBI. So let's not pretend like they're not capable of lying, just like every other thing we point out. But let's just say even in all of that's true. Still doesn't apply. What happened in Oklahoma City was not an attack on America. They say it was retaliation. Retaliation. Oh, this was what he wrote on some forum. Retaliation against the freedoms that have been taken away from American people. Right. So first of all. Just because somebody points these things out does not mean that they're going to cause, you know, this is the kind of pre-crime reality that we're finding ourselves in. There's a lot of people online that just want to look like they're, they're blustering and want to be taken as someone serious. Or they're paranoid schizophrenics that will say all sorts of different things that may not even be what they remember the next day. But either way, even if he meant to do this, he should be in a hospital, not in prison. Prosecutors told the appeals court that FBI agents would have been derelict in their duties if they had not tested how far he would go. How did you know he would even do it in the first place? Had he not done so with their car, their bomb, their control, everything. Had Mr. Varnell found someone with sinister motives, you know, the parents get to frantic, they can't even do anything on his own, had taken the initiative to find somebody with the motives and the resources. Yeah, think about how dumb that is. The bomb he attempted to detonate outside the bank might not have been fake. Varnell parked the van outside the area to reduce the potential casualties, the FBI said. Well, that's interesting. Doesn't that sound like the opposite of what they're spinning? From several miles away, he dialed the number on the cell phone, believing that it would not set the bomb off. So they say he tried two more times. He's in prison right now. I can't believe that's the case. After they're saying this is a person who's mentally incompetent, paranoid schizophrenic, that they caught trying to set this up. The parents stepped in and said, don't do that. He's mentally incompetent. You're Then they trespassed on the parents' property to continue to suss him out, get him to drive something without a driver's license, a bomb what they made. My God, guys, this is criminal. Now, just on a side note as well, 
Let's not forget how they love to point out, well, if we hadn't done anything, he could have done something worse. Okay, well, let's invert the situation. Here's the report we just talked about when, you know, Nasir was molesting a bunch of wi- uh, young women and, and, and children in the Olympics as a, uh, as a gymnast, uh, uh, what's the term, uh, physical therapist, I think. Nasir, we've covered this since the beginning. Remember, the story is that Nasir victims are now suing the FBI because they did not help them until they got what they wanted. In fact, the point is they let this go on for a long time, continuing to allow him to molest and rape children so they could get what they want from it. So which way does this work? Are you afraid they're going to continue to break the, you know, commit crimes? So you have to step in early and manufacture it? Or is it that you allow them to play out so that you, come on, you can't have it both ways. We also should ask ourselves whether these things sometimes go awry and the bomb does go off and they never admit they were involved, which has also been proven. This is the kind of stuff we're dealing with today, guys. Now, finally, to finish off, as we, I want to, just one last point, sort of disjointed, I want to include that I, so we were discussing the Dutch farmers yesterday. And I do this often. Some, I, I feel like you guys are aware of my previous work and sometimes I forget to make an original point. The idea of where that all stemmed from, which I just started off as if you guys knew that yesterday, is that it's all about the re- carbon reduction, the nitrogen, the idea that they're, the, all these governments are now taking dramatic action during a time they say we're in a food shortage because Putin, which is not even true, to reduce, as it says, Trudeau plans a 30% emissions reduction for Canadian farmers. Same kind of thing we're talking about, slightly, which will decimate their incomes, putting hundreds of out of business. Why is he doing that? Well, of course, to meet the climate change sustainable goals for the UN. Well, that is going to affect food and supply chains. Exactly. He says they don't want you to eat meat or grain, it seems, either. So when you're burning wheat fields in Syria, when you're, when you're doing things in Ukraine, when you're affecting things all over the world, and then reducing the actual ability for these farmers to continue to grow, how is that anybody else's fault but your own? Then they admit to themselves that they are doing these actions and they will have an effect because it's the right thing to do. But then turning around and going, Putin's gas hike, Putin's food shortage. They think you're that stupid. You're not. But that was the point of the Dutch farmers in regard to why they were doing this, which is why I believe, I, which is why I support what they're doing, despite the fact that it does add more to the supply chain issue. The point is these people are losing their livelihoods. They're being forced to stop being to, to forced to stop what they need to do to survive. That's why they said, well, you know what? If you're going to do that, then we're going to shut you down entirely which is an important point to see, just like the other one in Sri Lanka. If you stand up unified, non-violently for the Dutch farmers, then you will have an effect. You will change things because they need to stand down. In any any case, guys, this is being manufactured right in front of you. Don't take it. Stand up, cross party lines, and show them that we're smarter than they think you are, that we're smarter than they think we are. I think the entire thing has shown them that. I think that the, all of COVID-19, Ukraine, whatever else, has proven that they, we are not as ridiculously stupid as they like to think we are. They have underestimated us for the last time. Time to stand up, guys. Thank you for being here today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? 
What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy? Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We called people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. 
I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.